and to present him to all of those around you. So make sure that you're ready for this conference, ladies. Thank you. Pastor Greg. Lake Church. Hallelujah. Let's turn to Galatians. And we're going to finish up our series cross-eyed here today. And I believe the power of the cross is going to be so evident in our service this morning that there's going to be it's going to happen. And I, I see transformation and healing and restoration happen as the ministry is going forth. Amen. Amen. It's that very strongly. I'm cutting out. Hallelujah. Can you hear me now? All right. Amen. Praise the Lord. God has some good things in store for us today. Praise the Lord. Are you expecting? Are you expecting God to move? Are you expecting to be transformed and changed into the image of Jesus? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Let's stir ourselves up. The presence of the Lord is here. The King is in the house. Praise God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 The Lord wants to ask you right now, by the Spirit of the Lord, when is the last time that you had a belly laugh, saith the Lord? When is the last time that you have just yielded to joy? When is the last time that you have just shouted with victory in your heart, knowing that it reverberates through the sound, the sound reverberates through the kingdom of darkness and causes demons to quake in fear? When is the last time that you laughed at that distraction the enemy has put before you? When is the last time that you laughed at the symptoms that are in your body? When is the last time you laughed at the relational trouble that you have experienced this past year? When is the last time that you laughed at what the enemy is trying to strategize in your life? For he that sitteth in the heavens laughs. For he that sitteth in the heavens laughs. Because he sees the work of the enemy. He sees the strategies. He sees the busyness of the enemy. And he knows that it will not come to pass. He knows that it will not prosper. He knows that it is for naught and in vain, saith the Lord. So you should see it as that. You should see it through the ascended place. The place that you are seated in my son, saith God. And you will begin to laugh. You will begin to rejoice. 
When others are crying, when others are in sorrow and despair, you shall arise with laughter and joy. You shall arise with great glory because you are my children, saith the Lord, and I take care of who is mine, saith God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. As we were ministering to the Lord, I just saw in my spirit, I was going through Facebook. Of course, you know, that can be a... But I remember I was, I was uh, basically, uh, Jimmy McKnight uh, sent me a picture of, of a man that he said, this looks like my dad. And it was my dad. He didn't even know it. He didn't have any idea. He, he knew it. But I, I went back and I looked at that picture and I saw some pictures. And there was a picture in which my dad was just, he, he had a grin and a smile on his face that I had never seen in my life. Hello. And the Spirit of the Lord is here to restore laughter to your life. Because it's been a bitter, hard season for a lot of people. You know, I remember praying to the Lord because, you know, last year and the year before were kind of hard. I just began to pray and I said, Lord, I want to laugh again. And I'm not talking about, (laughs) you know, or laughing at a joke. You know, or laughing at a comedy, a movie that you're watching. I'm talking about laughing because of joy and because of victory. See, God's on all the time. I think some people are under the assumption that he takes vacations. That he leaves No, God's on all the time. So that means everything that you need is on all the time. You don't have to wait for it. There's no rationing of it. You don't have to wait in lines to get it. It's there. A hundred percent of the time. The secret is understanding that we are the ones that release that in our lives as believers. That we have to tap into it as Wade said, as a believer, we're a receiver, and therefore as a receiver, we begin to, we begin to release. There's people that have lost loved ones, that have gotten horrible reports in their bodies, have faced devastating news in relationships, have faced job loss, financial loss. And you've lost your laugh. You've lost your laugh. You're serious all the time. In fact, your kids are wondering, who is this person in the house? 
Who stole my daddy? Who stole my mama? I'm saying this by the Spirit of the Lord. Is this all right? Is it all right for the Lord to move? Because joy has left the house. There's a gritting of teeth that has replaced the open mouth joy of the Lord. There's strenuous, strenuous muscles contracting within the shoulders and within the arms and within the hands. A feeling of stress and strain and toil. And God wants to release that this morning. God wants to release that tension right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I just speak peace and joy in the Holy Ghost right now in the name of Jesus. Receive it. Believers, receive it. Believers, receive it. Receive it. Just say, I receive it. I receive. I receive your peace, your joy. See, he gave you his peace. No one can take that away from you. No one can take the joy of the Lord away from you. I remember my pastor, he dealt with depression in his life. And I remember he was in a depressed state in which he saw himself. God gave him a vision. And he saw himself sitting in a chair and he saw these wrap, these kind of arms that were wrapping around him. And they were constricting his life. They were constricting him. And he felt the pain and he felt the fact that it, he couldn't move. He didn't have the ability to operate in freedom. Oh, he could go up and go to the store. He could even go to church. But yet there was no freedom. There was no freedom in his life because of the constrictions of the enemy. And the Lord said, he began to cry out to the Lord. He began to say, Lord, release me from this. Get, get me out of here. I, I need this. You know, just like the Apostle Paul when he was dealing with the thorn in the flesh. He said, he said deliver me from this thorn. And a lot of times we're asking the Lord to deliver us when he's already delivered us. <clears throat> and remember what he told Paul. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. He did not say, just sit in that and just wait it out. because my... No, he's saying, my grace is sufficient for you to rise above that situation. He's saying, uh, he's saying Paul, you do something about it. Oh, oh, you're not getting this. You do something about it. Sometimes you have to shake yourself. Sometimes you have to get in the joy of the Lord. You have to get in the wells of salvation. Begin to draw that water up. And the Lord, he cried out to the Lord and the Lord told him, you do something about it. He says, what can I do about it? This is a pastor 20 plus years. One of the greatest teachers of the Bible I've ever known. And he's crying out to the Lord because of the torment of the enemy and the trap of the enemy. And he's saying, Lord, deliver me from the pain of this death. And the Lord is saying, my grace is sufficient for you. Do something about it. He says, what can I do about it? He says, lift your hands and lift your voice and begin to praise me. Lift your hands and lift your voice and begin to praise 
And he said as he began to lift his voice, he began to praise the Lord. He began to see those bands begin to break. And a flash, a chasm of light came from the heavens and illuminated his whole area that he was at. And he was able to see. He was able to see. He was able to see what was constricting him. And he dealt with it by the authority of the name of Jesus. That freedom is here. I said that freedom is here. But it only comes through the cross. The Lord is saying this this morning. This is the season of awakening. If you're here today, you're not here by accident. You're here because the Lord brought you here. But what he's saying it to me by the Spirit of the Lord, and I hope that you will get a hold of this, is that we need to break ourselves against the cross today. Amen. See, we've been talking about cross-eyed. And as we look at this cross, we need to understand that there is a vision that we look to the cross. And as we look to the cross, there's a brokenness that should come into our lives because his death is our death. We died with him. And every time I come to the cross, and people have this false assumption that you only come to the cross once. Well, I come to the cross once for my salvation, of course. But there's many times in my life I've had to go back. And I've had to break myself against the cross. This is where many people are at. They're so filled with their own pride and their own ego and their own plans and their own purposes And when they do not find what they're looking for, they come to a place of discouragement and despair. They come to a place where their dreams are dashed and their hope is lost. And they're wondering, how can I right the ship? How can I get back to true north? How can I get back? And it always points to one direction. It points to the work of the cross. And as I look to the cross, I break myself against it. You know, when I'm, when I'm troubled with sin, when I'm struggling in my personal life to walk with the Lord, the only way I can get it right is by breaking myself against the cross. How do I break myself against the cross? Father, I have sinned. Forgive me. You're breaking yourself against the cross. It's already a fulfilled work. He has already forgiven your sin, past, present, and future. You're acknowledging that work. You're acknowledging that there is a power that is inherent within the cross. And I just sense that what we're experiencing all over this nation and around the world is people that are, again, breaking themselves against the cross. They're saying, I'm tired of living this way. I'm tired of being this way. I'm tired of chasing things that don't matter in my life anymore. I'm tired. I want the real thing. And you have to understand that God works through brokenness in our lives. 
We can either be broken by the circumstances of life or we can break ourselves against the cross. Many have held bitterness, anger, resentment in their lives. Unforgiveness. They hold on to it like a badge of honor. They think they have some kind of power because they use it. That it empowers them some way. But I'm here to tell you, you need to break yourself against the cross. You need to realize that he forgave you, therefore you must forgive. But there's no reason to hold that bitterness and resentment and that unforgiveness in your life anymore. Jesus displayed the very people that he was there to save were the ones that nailed him on the tree. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Come on now. So when I look to the cross, it affects me in the sense that, that I know that he died for me. He who knew no sin became sin for me. That he became my curse. That when he was crucified, Greg was crucified. David was crucified. Jaden was crucified. And when I look to the cross, I see that. But then we've talked about looking through the cross. So you look to the cross, but you've got to look through the cross. Because there's a whole lot of things about the cross that you can't see on the surface. In fact, the entire Pauline revelation through the epistles is looking at the x-ray view of the cross. Seeing where it has brought me, where it takes me. Understanding the work that happened from the time that he was scourged to the time that he was seated at the right hand of God. And the fact that I was with him through that whole process, through his death, burial, and resurrection, he has identified with me. He became me. He became my sin, my sickness, my curse, my poverty. And that I no not only share in his death, but I share in his resurrection. And that his resurrection life is the very power by which I live. Amen? So I've got to look through the cross. If you'll take these three things and apply them to your life right now. You'll begin to see victory begin to happen in your life. Because in any problem that I've ever had, I have to come to the cross. I have to come to the cross and I have to break myself because there's something out of whack. But then I have to take it a progression further and I have to start looking through the cross. After I get through looking through the cross... My vision is to look by the cross. That means this becomes my lens. It becomes how I see. So any problem that I have, any discouragement or despair or sickness or any kind of calamity or emergency in my life, because I broke myself against the cross, because I've seen through the cross, now I can see by the cross. 
and I'm able to see my troubles through this. And I'm here to tell you, friends, that when you see it through the cross, you see nothing but victory, 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 victory in your life. Praise God. Many people are perplexed. They're wondering about their life. They're puzzled. And the Lord offers us the consistency of the cross. Because it's always on. I said it's always on. No matter what you're going through and whatever season that you may experience in your life, the cross is on. It's mercy flows from the cross. Grace flows from the cross. Forgiveness flows from the cross. 24-7, 365 days a year, all the time. Now, if you've got a power that is within you through the cross, then why are we so inconsistent? Why are we not experiencing the consistency of the cross? It's because our mindset has not been transformed. And we have to become cross-eyed. That means we go through the process in every area of our life, whether it's relational, whether it's physical, whether it's financial. We break ourselves by the cross. We see through the cross to what Jesus did from the cross to the throne. And then we see life by the cross. And when we see life by the cross, our sickness looks different. Our circumstances look different. Our relationships look different. Because when you've received forgiveness by embracing the cross, you can't help but forgive others. When you've received grace and mercy by the cross, you can't, uh, you can't help but give grace and mercy. Amen? I just see people with hard shells. Believers. With hard shells that have been encased around them. And there are hard shells that have been created by this last season that you have went through. It's time to break the shell at the cross. It's time to say, Father, forgive me. I didn't really realize that my attitude was this way. I didn't realize that my thinking was off. Lord, I release that person. I forgive and I move on. This isn't even my message. We still got three more hours. This is by the Spirit of the Lord. You need to get a hold of this. 
Jesus said this about the rock of revelation. He said this about the rock of, you know, of course he is the rock, the cornerstone. He said, if any man breaks himself against it, but if he does not, that means that you have to purposely, willfully break yourself against the rock of salvation. He says, if not, the rock will fall and crush you to pieces. We have to understand that. That there needs to be a breaking. I don't care how old you are. Some of you think you got it made. You got this thing all figured out. You don't. You don't. I'm here to tell you, you don't. There is new levels that God wants to bring you into. There's new places he wants to bring you, broad places. But it's going to require you dying to who you are presently. And that may have been constructed through your walk with the Lord, but yet the Lord wants to take you deeper. See, we're transformed and changed into the glory of the Lord from glory to glory to glory. This is a glorious process. See, the goal is for this year is to get you to see past your circumstances, to get you to stop being reactionary and victimized. Victimization is the number one problem in our nation today. And it's the number one problem in our church today. Is people feel victimized by their situations. But the greatest victimization happened at the cross. But yet Jesus never portrayed himself as a victim. Never acted like a victim. And never once has ever spoken as if he was victimized. When he who knew no sin became our sin. When he was truly innocent but yet took all of the punishment that we deserved. If anybody had a right to picket and complain and have Jesus' life's matter on their T-shirt, it would be him. We're all guilty. We've all fallen short. And it's only through the cross that God has reconciled us unto himself. It's only through the grace and mercy of the cross that we receive his full pardon. And just as if we had never sinned, we are made right with him. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. That's the good news. What I'm asking of you today, and I hear the Lord beckoning his church is to cast down the armor that the enemy has sought to clothe you with. Throw away the security blankets of hell. And get free 
of your fears, your failures, your resentment, your insecurity, by breaking yourself against the one thing that truly matters in this universe. The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can we lift our hands and give him praise? Come on, lift your hands and give him praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. The presence of the Lord is here. Amen. Hallelujah. So with that, I want to reveal to you what the cross delivered you from. What Jesus came to deliver you from. And I want you to appropriate it and receive it. Amen? Receive it. Glory to God. Glory to God. So let's go to Galatians. And I'm going to show you five things that the cross delivered you from. I'm not going to have time to really go through all of them intently like I would desire, but you're going to get the picture. Okay? Now, I was last time I was with you, it was two weeks ago, and I began this study, and I began this teaching. And I'm ready, you know, to finish it. So strap in your seatbelts and be ready. Amen? Because I'm going to show you five things that Jesus' work on the cross delivered you from. The first one is found in the first chapter of the book of Galatians. And they're all found in the book of Galatians. And verse number three, Galatians one and verse number three. It says, grace to you and peace. If you notice, you can't have peace unless you've received grace. And that's one thing when we come to the cross, we receive grace. And grace rubs against... All right. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You can hear me now. Man, I... Grace and peace. You can't have the peace of God without the grace of God. Grace rubs against our pride. Let me say that again. Grace rubs contrary to our pride. For us to receive the grace means that we have to humble ourselves because it's a gift. You're not going to receive grace by saying, look what I did. Or trying to get God to come in on what you're doing. No. We have to understand that if we want peace which is the presence of God in our life, 
that brings preservation, health, and healing and restoration to all that we are, we must receive it by grace. And many times we're so um, blinded by the fact that we're trying to make our own way and do our own thing. I'm, I'm speaking to by the Spirit of the Lord. There are people that are pushing their own way, their own agenda in their life. But yet they still come to church, they still tithe, they still pray, they still read their Bible. But yet they're focused on what they want to do. And as you push and you push and you push and you get more and more out of the will of God, the joy of Jesus begins to diminish out of your life. And what we need to do is we need to reconcile our lives back to the cross. See, the cross is the the reconciliation tool. How many ever remember checkbooks? How many ever ran with an irreconciled checkbook? You're writing a check at Walmart and you're going, I hope this goes through because you don't know. You don't know. You have not reconciled your expenses. There were many times that I didn't have any idea what I had in the bank. Many people are operating in life with irreconciled checkbooks. There's just unfinished business in their life. When we come to the cross, it is the reconciliation tool. We need to come and remind ourselves of what the cross means and what the cross has done. And we need to continuously keep it before us to help us reconcile the affairs of our life. Because when I'm facing trauma and I'm facing sickness and I'm facing something, you know, what's going to reconcile that? What's going to bring the healing that I need, the restoration that I need is going to be the cross. It's going to be the cross of Jesus. It is the one-stop shop for all that you need. You're looking at me like, well, this is a very simple message. No, it is not. You can listen to these words and you can take them into your ears and you can think that you have them in your mind, but you're not putting them to practice in your life. And it's only when you're putting them to practice in your life that you truly know something. When I talk to believers, they're filled with condemnation, they're filled with guilt, they're filled with shame. All the things that the cross paid for. But yet they're still walking in these. They're still plagued by these things. This is something that should not be. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free from the law of sin and death. There is therefore now no condemnation. To them that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. 
but you've got to receive grace. My, my goal right now t- today, and I, I'm, this isn't normal. This isn't normal. This is the Spirit of the Lord, and I believe it's in, in tune with what the Lord is doing around the world. He's calling people to repentance. Amen. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. Now notice that he calls him the Father. I tell you what, the Holy Spirit's speaking to me. I'm I'm, going to have to go with him. I've got my... He uses the word father. What a controversial title. There's not a title in this world that that brings polarity, division. Father. When you think about what the enemy has done to that name, has tried to take away the power from that name. Many of you, when the word "father" is spoken, it 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 it's uh, it's it's filled with imagery of abuse, damage, of disappointment, of discouragement. But you've got to receive the fact that the cross reconciles us to the father relationship. See, the Jews, they knew El Shaddai. The Jews knew El Elyon. The Jews knew Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Tiskendu. They knew all of the covenant names of God. But when Jesus Christ walks the earth, he not once refers to God in those names, even though he's still those names. He refers to him in one name. It's a name that crucified him on that cross. Father, Father, Father. And when he began to speak about my Father, And when he began to say, your father, he spoke to the orphan heart on the inside of you. The heart that was separated from God. And the very progenitor of life itself came alive in the hearts and minds of the people that Jesus was speaking to. Grace and peace from our Father, Joel. Oh, that means the world to me. That means the world to me. That means the world to me. Grace and peace from our Father. Not just my father, your father, and your father, and your father. Grace and peace from a father. How many would like to 
have that in your personal life with your personal father. How many would like to hear that? Some of you, your fathers have been in heaven for years. How would you like to hear grace and peace from your father? But I'm here to tell you there's someone greater than your father. Greater than any earthly man that's fallible and can miss it. Grace and peace from your father. Then he goes on, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, my goodness. There's not, there's not a more powerful salutation than that. It is something that we should awake to every morning, understanding that we wake up to grace and peace from our Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that put our focus back on? It puts our focus back on the cross. Amen? Hello? You got a few more minutes? Hallelujah. Notice what it says. Who gave himself for our sins. Boy, that's cross-eyed right there. You've got to get, you've got to get cross-eyed. You've got to realize that Jesus gave himself for your sins sins he had no sin of his own he gave himself for your sickness as well he had no sickness of his own he walked in total union with God free of sickness disease and all of the effects of the curse he was a pure vessel without spot or wrinkle in fact Pilate washed his hands and says I find no fault in this man, declaring his innocence to the very people who wanted to crucify him. He was absolutely pure, undefiled, without spot, without blemish, but yet, when he was put upon that cross, Joel, the wrath of God was laid upon him. God took all of Kirby's weakness, all of Kirby's shortcomings, all of Jaden's sin and depravity, and he transferred it. He transferred the force of sin and death that was in the earth and he put it upon and within Jesus himself. He became it. He didn't just carry it like a little button or a little sticker. He became it. That's the reason why the Lamb of God became the serpent on the pole because he went from being innocent and free of blemish to being absolutely defiled and blemished before God.
That's what we break ourselves against. It's understanding. That he became the vilest of the vile. The worst of the worst. Sin incarnate. But it wasn't his sin. It was ours. Are you awake out there? Now notice this. He, he, He gave himself for our sins... To deliver us. And I love that word in the Greek. It's, uh, it's a Greek word that means a full and complete rescue. A full and complete rescue. There's nothing missing with his rescue. There's absolutely nothing missing from his rescue. He has fully, nothing has been spared. Nothing is lacking. It is a total and absolute rescue. Amen? Amen. And it means a full removal. A full removal. I used this a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to use it with, with, here is Kirby. Lost in his trespasses and sins, swimming in the nature of sin. No hope. Nothing is going good for him. He is absolutely lost, depraved. He is absolutely irreconcilable to God. But it says that Jesus... Rescued him completely and removed him from that seat. In Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53, it says, Surely he hath removed. The word removed is the Hebrew word natsa in the, in the Hebrew. And it means to lift up, carry away, and remove. He says, surely he hath borne, lifted up, nasa in the Greek, removed, our sickness, and carried away our pains. I'm speaking to pain right now in Jesus' name. I command it to leave right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, pain be gone in Jesus' name. (coughs) Hallelujah. But then he goes on and he says this, to deliver us from the present evil age. Now the word present means to be put in or to be put upon. And we can certainly see By what Adam has done, his transgression, we were put in a place we were never designed for. And there were things put upon us that we were never supposed to carry. So basically what he's saying by present evil age, he's saying because of Adam's transgression and sin, you were placed in a place where you didn't function right. 
The word evil there means toilsome. It means crooked. It means that you're not functioning the way you were supposed to function. It's backward living. It's a life that you were never meant to live. You were supposed to live in the presence of God. Now you're outside of the presence of God. You're living east of Eden, so you're not living right. You're not operating right. It's not because of what you do. It's because of who you are. You're locked in. And then he uses the word age, which is the Greek word aeon, which means a time period. But it only, not only denotes a fact of a time period, it denotes the quality that is within that time period. So it's not just a clock clicking away at the time until there's a fulfillment. There's a quality within that time period that you have been delivered from. So that means this, that he not only delivered you out of this present evil time period... But he delivered you out of the quality and condition of this fallen time period. (laughs) Amen? So he's delivered you from this present evil age. Lift your hand. Say, I'm delivered delivered. from this present Evil age. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Praise God. Praise God. The Bible says that you've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Hallelujah. Go to Galatians chapter 2. Got a couple more. Verse 19. It says, For through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. What did the cross do? The cross was the instrument that the law used. To kill you. Hello. So therefore now. You are dead. To the law. You're dead to the law. So that you can live to God. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Because you are not under the law. But you are under grace. The cross gives us the grace. The law of sin and death does not apply to us because of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from it. We are free from the law. That doesn't mean we don't have a law written upon our hearts by the spirit of God. But it means this, that there is no other means by which I can attain salvation, redemption, Healing, protection, provision, and anything that God has for me through anything that I can do or that I'm not doing. I have been positioned in a place 
in which everything that it is Christ is mine. Amen? And I've got it not based upon what I do and what I do not do. I'm there because of what he did. I'm there because he paid the price. I'm there because he took my place. I'm there because his resurrected life is the life that flows through my body and my veins. He is the vine. I am the branches. Everything that's in the vine is in the branches. And I get the wonderful joy of bearing the fruit. I'm here to tell you there is witchcraft in the church. Witchcraft is the religious means of trying to make ourselves acceptable to God, irrespective of the cross. It is only through the cross that I receive His acceptance. I don't need to conform myself, dress right, have the right haircut, wear the right shoes, say the right things, or have the right bumper stickers on my car. I don't need any of that. I can have a Slayer bumper sticker on the back of my car and be reconciled to God. I can have tattoos all over my body and be reconciled to God. I can wrestle with addiction and still be reconciled to God. Come on now. I can wrestle with problems in my life and still be reconciled to God. Because that's how powerful the cross is. The cross is powerful. And I'm telling you what, the cross will will cause you to be transformed in a way that the things that you're addicted to, the things that are plaguing your life right now, if you'll continue to go to the cross, look through the cross, and see life through the lens of the cross, you'll be so transformed. Those things will fall at your feet and never plague you again. Let's look at verse number 20. So he's delivered us from this present evil age. He's delivered us from the law. Guess what? He's delivered us from something very important. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Why? Because the law killed me. The law killed me through the cross. You can either stand on your own two feet before God or you can stand on his. I choose to stand on his. Amen. I can try to make my own payment for the debt or I can receive the only payment for the debt, which is Jesus. But I'll be judged either way. Amen. He said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. See, it's not about living for God. It's about him living through you. Do you understand that? And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The third thing that the cross delivered you from is you. Hello. I'm telling you there are people that believe that they're trying to find the best version of themselves. And you'll see all kinds of internet gurus and 
social networkers and social influencers talking about the best version of you. But I'm here to tell you, you died. You were crucified on this tree so that you could live to God and be his son upon the earth. The only way you're going to receive the resurrection life that flows through your body that brings change and transformation is through accepting the fact that you have been nailed to the cross, you have died with Jesus, that you no longer live, but it's Christ living on the inside of you that now has the ascendancy. And that I yield myself and present my body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. I deliver myself over and say, Lord, flow through me, use me, project your personality, project the substance and sum total of who you are through every fiber and cell of my being to where there will be no delineation between the risen Christ and me walking the earth. I'm not there yet, and you're not either, but we're working towards it. Amen? But you've got to be delivered from you. There's no best version of you. They all suck. Hello. You mean to tell me that a fallen human condition, we have been delivered from the present evil age? That means we've been, pre- we've been delivered from, from the, the existence that was created through the fall. We're delivered from that. Why would I want to maximize that? No, you're a new creation. The old has passed away. And behold, everything has become brand new. Come on now. Amen. Glory to God. I'm running out of time. Just a couple more minutes. Some of you are saying, praise the Lord. Let's go to Galatians chapter 6. Well, chapter 5, I'm sorry. Chapter 5. <clears throat> we've been redeemed from this present evil age. We've been pulled out and redeemed from the law. We've been redeemed from ourselves And now we're redeemed from something that is absolutely nasty and absolutely causes a lot of turmoil and problems in our life and is found in Galatians 5 and verse number 24. It says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. Okay. Now listen to me, guys. You have to delineate in the Greek language what the flesh truly is because some people will say it's my body. It's not your body. Your body is soma in the Greek. When the scriptures, especially the epistles, talk about the flesh, they use an entirely different word. They use the word sarx, S-A-R-X. And it has to do with the proclivities and appetites and desires of the carnal nature. 
He says those that are in Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. We've been redeemed from the flesh. Did you know that? But it requires us to do something with it. Because it, 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 it wants what it wants. Amen. It has desires and, and, and appetites that are contrary to the word of God. Contrary to good living. Contrary to healthy living. Hello. And it'll talk to you. I mean, it likes nicotine. It likes the voodoo that you do. It likes sex, it likes pleasure, it likes rest, it likes laziness, it likes everything. In fact, it fought you this morning. And it fights you every time you get up out of bed. It'll fight you to not go to work. It'll fight you to not say you're sorry. It'll fight you to try to keep you smoking, keep you drinking, Keep you doing all that stuff, freaky diggies, whatever you do. It wants to keep on doing it. See, I'm so hip. I know all the cool language. I don't even know that it's even a word. Your flesh has desires. It wants to feel important. It wants to feel loved. And that puts you in a dangerous position. Because there are people that will accommodate that and they don't really love you. They're just going to make you feel loved to manipulate you. It opens you up to all kinds of deception. But the cross, everybody say the cross. The cross has delivered me from the flesh. But it's a deliverance that I continuously have to put it on the, the cross. I have to put it as a living sacrifice and put it away. Because guess what? The, the, the flesh isn't going to want to do what Jesus wants to do. Jesus tells you, go pray for that somebody in the middle of Phelps. Your flesh is going to rise up and say, you know what? I don't want to be seen doing that. That's embarrassing to me. What if they say no? What if they reject me? That's the flesh. The Bible says that the sarks, the flesh, wars against the spirit, and the spirit wars against the flesh, and they are at enmity with one another. But it's only through the power of the cross that I can bring the flesh into subjection. Amen? So it's an ongoing deliverance moment by moment. Moment by moment. How many have ever got a victory over your flesh and you just felt like such release in your life? Praise God. Guess what? Tomorrow you're going to have another one of those battles. But the cross gives us the capacity to win. Amen? Are you getting anything out of this? Let's go to the sixth chapter. In verse number 14. But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, that's what the Lord spoke to me. He said, there's boasting in the house. There's boasting in the church. But it's not the boasting of the cross. It's the boasting on our accomplishments, on what we're achieving and what we're doing. But we should know nothing other than the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot rest on our own laurels, on our own victories, on our own accomplishments. We must continually to keep before us the victory that was on the cross. Because our king and the captain of our salvation was never more victorious than he was when he hung upon that cross. When the male factors began to speak against him. When the Roman soldiers gambled for his clothing. When they pierced his side. When they went to break his legs but he was already gone. There was never a place of more victory than him taking your sin, your depravity, your sickness, your bondage, your weakness. And he was murdered, killed, gave up his life. So that that power, the power of sin and death is destroyed and annihilated. He took that package of sin and death into the depths of the earth where it belonged in the punishment of God. And on the third day, God declared him righteous in the midst of a devil's hell and raised him from the dead. And when he did it, he raised you along with him. Hallelujah. By which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. What does the cross do? It delivers me from the world. Because I'm crucified to the world and the world's crucified to me. Therefore, it doesn't have power. Now, what's he talking about world? Is he talking about terra firma? Is he talking about the ground that you're walking on? The word world is cosmos. And it means adorning. It means wrapping. It means system. There's a world system that's against you. From the time you breathe your first breath out of your mother's womb, you have viruses that are trying to attack your body. The minute you build a house, there's termites and other things that want to come in and chew it down. Anything that you do, there is an element in this fallen world that wants to take it away from you. It's a system. It's the system of the beast. But Jesus said this. He said, I've said these things to you that in me, you might have peace. He said, in the world, in the system, you're going to have tribulation. How many found out to be true? Pressure, pain, turmoil, toil. He said, but be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. For I have 
overcome the system. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection destroyed the system that was created between Satan and Adam, Satan and humanity. He destroyed it. That means that the financial system is no longer applicable to you. You live in another system. If you'll get into God's system, it will break the other system in your life. You will prosper when no one else is prospering. You will have victory when everyone's getting defeated. You Praise God. Didn't the psalmist say, though a thousand fall by my side and ten thousand by my right hand, it will not come near me? Did he not say that? There is a delineation between a child of God and a child of the system. Hallelujah. I want the ministers to come up here right now in Jesus' name. I'm telling you guys, the Spirit of the Lord is here and the Word has been preached. The cross has been lifted up. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men and women to me. The power of healing is present to heal right now. The power of deliverance is here too. Because when the cross is preached in clarity... The power is present. The gospel is the power of God. The gospel's been preached. I don't care what you're going through in your life. I am inviting you to break yourself against the cross. If you're dealing with temptation, if you're dealing with depression, if you're dealing with anxiety, if you've got symptoms in your body, Break yourself against the cross. Now, I'm telling you, there's, there's the enemy right now in your flesh also telling you right now, I don't want to go up there. I don't want to be seen. I'm embarrassed to bring my problem before people. I'm telling you, that is limiting you, that is keeping you from the humility that you need. To break yourself against the cross. There may be some here that don't know the Lord. And they've heard the gospel message multiple times. But they've never yielded to it. They've never accepted him. It requires humility. It requires me coming to God and saying, you know what? Even though I have my doubts. Even though I have my concerns. I hear. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm being drawn and I, I'm, I'm humbling myself to receive it. The Bible says you'll walk away different than you came in. Or maybe you're here and you've had a religious background. You've been born again, but you've had a religious background. And one of the main things that you wrestle with is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> you believe because you were taught that tongues is of the devil. It requires humility to break that. You're going to have to humble yourself and stop bowing to the idols of words that other people have told you. 
and come and break yourself against the cross. Or maybe you need deliverance in your life. There's something more than just your flesh out of control. There's something controlling you. There's something that is instigating and influencing your life and your decision-making. When you break yourself against the cross, you disarm and destroy all principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness. Because the cross is the symbol of their defeat. They don't want you to know that they're already stripped. They want you to believe that you'll never change, that this will never, never, never be altered or be transformed. You're going to constantly struggle with this, You're going to constantly feel pain and guilt. You're going to go through seasons in which you feel like you're on top of it, and then you just delve deep back into it, and it's a means of control. How are you going to get rid of it? You're going to break yourself against the cross. You're going to break yourself. You're going to get down and you'll say, you know what? The cross is my solution. The cross is my answer. The cross is where victory is found. The cross is my true north. The cross is my direction. The cross is my wisdom. The cross is my life. And the cross is my strength. If you're having relationship troubles, it takes humility to say, you know what? I'm having problems. And it takes even more humility to recognize that you may be the problem. You've got to break yourself against the cross. To be able to truly repent to a brother or sister or to repent to a husband or wife means I have to break myself to the cross because guess what? I've, I've built an armor around me. I've built a protective barrier. I've made it, well, you know what? I'm just going to act like you don't bother me. I'm just going to act like I don't really care. You know, you care. It's keeping you up at night. It's keeping you taking pills and trying to sleep. And it's all because you won't break yourself against the cross. And the only way to see through the cross is I've got to break myself with the cross. When I break that bondage and I break that barrier and I break that protective mechanism, then I can see through the cross. And praise God, when I see through the cross, I can then begin to see uh, the cross through the lens of the cross where I can begin to see life as it's meant to be lived. I'm telling you what's holding you up isn't even the devil. It's you. Stinky old you. Hello. You got to get rid of that armadillo skin. You got to get rid of it, man. You can't live this way. The enemy's just loving that because every time I bring an offense or I bring some kind of unforgiveness in, it's it's like one of those little traps for for rodents. It attracts them. It's just like putting peanut butter out in the corner of your house. Something's going to come visit. Something's going to come. And guess what? People are holding things. 
Well, you don't know what happened to me. You don't know what they did to me. Well, I'm here to tell you, I may not know, but I know this. And I know that it's the reconciler. And I know it has the power to be able to cause you to rise above that circumstance. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for each and every individual here. The atmosphere for the presence of God has been here and is consistently here and will consistently be here because we're going to make sure that we're going to be in a position for him to move. And I'm talking to captives here today, whether you understand that or not. There's things that capture me. And it takes the Holy Spirit to reveal that stuff to me. Because I can't see it. I got blind spots. But maybe you're in bondage here today. Maybe it's something the Lord's revealing even as we have preached. Even as the cross has been declared. And it's time to shed it. It's time to get rid of it. There are spouses that you're so hurt by what your ex has done to you that you've held on to it. It's time to let it go. There are boyfriend-girlfriend situations. Exes that walked together in love and harmony and something came in and dashed it to pieces and they're still holding on to those pieces. They're still holding on to that grudge. They're still holding on to that pain. And they feel like if they release it, that somehow it causes them to be in a weaker condition. But I'm here to tell you, strength comes with releasing what God says release. There are people in this house that have not forgiven themselves. Oh, I could go on and on, but I won't. God is here. God wants to do a work in your life. These men and women here are fully equipped, fully trained, and filled with the Holy Spirit. They will help you if you'll give them the opportunity. Amen? Praise the Lord. In Jesus' name, I just break all satanic barriers off these people's lives. I ask the scales to fall from their eyes to where they can truly see. Help them to see their need for brokenness. Help them to see that a broken and contrite spirit is the, is the heart that, you, that attracts you to do more in their life. Lord, help us to see the cross in all its many facets and all its many dimensions. Help us to, to, to retrieve every ounce of divine life from that action. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm going to open this up. If you need to come down here and meet with these people, I want you to do it in the name of Jesus. Don't walk out the same way that you came in. Jesus has something with your name on it right now. And you're